You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Dallas added the field goal while you were listening to the commercials, and so it is now 27-13. Philadelphia has the ball, and they need to try to make some plays and get back in this game. Uh, the Philly defense over the past couple – we'll get to the calls in a second. Philly defense over the past couple of weeks, especially against San Francisco last week, oof, they're not playing well. They're trying to be physical. They're still physical at the line of scrimmage, but they're just, they're just giving up. They're not playing well right now. They're not playing the way you, the way Philly has played earlier in this season. And I get it. You know, San Francisco is really good. <laughs> they are rolling offensively right now, so it's no shame to say that, you know, the, the San Francisco 49ers put some points on the board against your defense. And Dallas has been looking for this one. You know, they feel this is a statement game for them. And we'll see how Philly rolls. They need to get a, a score in this drive, in this quarter, I think, to get it down to a one-score, two-score game right now. If they can get it down to a one-score game, I think it'll make it interesting. Back to the phones we go. Jason is in Jersey. What's up, Jace? Hey, how you doing, man? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm driving right now, so I'm sorry if the audio's a bit messed up. Um, a few things that I think, you know, might, might be obvious or might not be obvious. Mm-hmm. I think it was a great game for the Jets. Don't get me wrong. Zach Wilson performed great. That was his redemption arc right there. Um, you know, however, I do think, you know, if we have to consider bringing Rodgers back at any time this season, I think he should not play at all without this, you know, with this current offensive line. Um, but, you know, I still think that Hackett makes terrible play calls. Zach Wilson was never the problem. Um, so that's, so that's, the, that's my Jets' point of view. Um, mm-hmm. And out of the Rangers game tonight, great game by the Rangers, you know, and I'm 21, and, you know, like it's been a lot of 21 years seeing the Rangers this good, and I think they have a shot at the ship this year. That's all I'm saying, I think. All right, my friend. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, they got a good shot. If they, can, if they can stay healthy and continue to play the way they're playing, yeah, there's no question. As a matter of fact, since you mentioned the Rangers, Jason, let me do this. The 2024 Navy Federal Credit Union NHL Stadium Series comes to MetLife Stadium this February. See the Flyers against the Devils on Saturday the 17th and the Rangers against the Islanders on Sunday the 18th. Tickets are on sale now at NHL.com slash Stadium Series Tickets. Enter for your chance to win tickets at ESPNNewYork.com or on the ESPN New York app. Just scroll down to Contest and submit your entry. Now, Jason, I will agree with you that... Uh, so far this season, Nathaniel Hackett has not endeared himself as an outstanding offensive coordinator. But to say that he that the problem is only him and not Zach Wilson is not being fair. I mean, Zach Wilson has not been consistently good since he's been in the league. This is his third year. So has Nathaniel Hackett helped him as much as we thought he could have? No, he has not. Has Zach Wilson helped or given confidence to Nathaniel Hackett that he could handle more explosive plays or extending the playbook like he apparently did today? No, he didn't. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have done it. I mean, think about this. A coach's job is on the line if the team doesn't produce. Okay? That's their job. Their job is on the line. All right, There's no evidence. There's no further better evidence than Nathaniel Hackett, who was horrible as a head coach in Denver and was kicked out, fired after one year, done. That's why he was available to take this job when uh, the Jets were trying to get Aaron Rodgers. So this is a production sport, all sports. It's about production. So for you to think that Nathaniel Hackett is purposely calling bad plays 
or doesn't or is not or doesn't know what he's doing intentionally is ridiculous. He's he didn't have the confidence in Zach Wilson to get some of the plays that he wanted done. Clearly. Because why did it change today? Obviously, during the two weeks that Wilson was was benched, he obviously did, did some more video work. He did some film work. They were clearly more confident in his workouts this week and what he was able to do, that they put in some more plays, opened the plays up a little bit, and you saw what happened. Even in the first half, they opened some things up, but once again, in, on third down, they just couldn't move it. That's really been when you when you when you look at this season for the Jets offensively, their biggest problem has been third down. They're awful on third down. They got to be last in the league on third down plays. Have to be. Have to be. And the scary thing was, I don't know if that's the case, but I remember a couple of weeks ago, the stats were out that they were worse on third and short than they've been on third and long. So that's that's just some of that, yes, I would think is play calling. And some of that is just, you know, bad execution. I mean, third and short, you should be able to make those. Now, if you said to me, well, they're last on third and long, okay, I get it. I would get it. Offensive line issues, different, no continuity at the offensive line because of injury, you know, different quarterbacks, things like that. I would understand why they were, you know, struggling on third and long. But they're better on third and long than third and short. That makes no sense. But once again, for today, Zach Wilson was fine. For today, he was really good. For today, the defense still has issues against the run. But at least they were able to play with the lead, and you saw them do a nice job and keep C.J. Stroud from even getting the ball to the folks he did have. And once again, yeah, we know he he had some receivers out. But this was this was a solid victory for the Jets. And once again, special teams was good. Okay, they were good. Punter keeps, you know, keeps continuing to pin the ball back in a field position game with the weather as bad as it was, especially early in the first half, heavy rain, not much wind, but heavy rain. Kept pinning them back, which was fabulous. And then, you know, you got field goals in the, in the fourth quarter, just extended the lead. Uh, so this was, this was obviously what the Jets were hoping for after the injury to Aaron Rodgers, right? This is what, maybe not even to this extent of 300 yards, but what I'm saying is this is what they were hoping for as far as, execution and putting points on the board and putting enough points on the board so that they could unleash their defense to play with a lead as opposed to having them try to make plays or play from behind or trying to get back into the game or staying on the field. And now they're able to dictate to the offense what the offense should do as opposed to the offense still dictating to them because of the fact that, okay, it's, it's, Second and short, or second and mid, and third and short. It was a difference. It was a difference. And 
I feel especially happy for the Jet fans who braved that weather today because they've been out there in some bad... It has rained. I mean, it has rained. It seems like every weekend, every Sunday, it seems like it's rained since June. (laughs) And it was another rainy day today. And I know in the first half, the Jet fans were a little nervous. But at least they were able to, you know, put some put some points on the board in the second half. And like I said, feel feel good for the fans today that were out there. But this again, Brees Hall was able to move the football. Gary Wilson was able to get his hands on the football. And you love the way that they used him today, not just for the big play home runs, but even for stuff third like six yards and Eight yards. He is your best player offensively. And I know he and Brees Hall discuss who's better. And we'll, Brees told us that. And we'll hear what he has to say a little later in the show about who's better, if he does say. But nevertheless, the more active you get to Garrett Wilson, okay, the more attention he brings, that opens it up for other people. Why do you think Conklin was able to get the ball down the seam today? at the tight end position because of the fact that everybody, you know, people were doubling on Wilson. Now you had matchups a couple of times against the linebacker, which he'll beat, and a couple of times against the safety who can't hold on to him. All right. So once again, a very, very nice game for the Jets today. Everything ran well. Bottle it up. Let's see if you can take it on the road with you against the top team in the East, the Miami Dolphins, next week, who are trying to keep Buffalo out of first place. 1-800-919-3776. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. At Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Lee is in Brooklyn. Lee, you're next on the drive. Hardesty, can you hear me? I got you, Lee. Hey, man, listen, man. Oh, man, this is a debacle going on in Dallas right now. But, hey, listen, we've seen better days. But um, I just want to make sure, just to, just, you know, just to get this out the way, just make sure everybody gives their kid a hug and a kiss or whatever state. You lost a football game. Make sure you still love your wife, love your husband, and give him a hug and a kiss tonight. But, um, yeah, man, um, exciting things happened in uh, Meadowlands Stadium. The Jets actually uh, be a pretty good team. Um, yep. Quarterback looked uh, like he knew what he was doing. <laughs> so, um, I don't know what's going on with the Jets, but what, what do you think is going on with the Jets, Larry? Uh, they got a win today, Lee. Thanks for the phone call. That's what's going on with them. They played well today. And the question will become now, what can they do? What What is the next rest of this season going to be? Are they going to stack some wins together? Even And even if they don't win, let's say against the Miami team, even if they don't win against Miami, will they at least be competitive and be in a game where they lose a close one? Because Miami's better than they are. Is, is, is that the question? So that's really where, where what's going on with this Jet team. 
uh, like the previous caller said earlier, there's no way, and now it's 30-13 Dallas up over Philly. There's no way that Aaron Rodgers should even think about coming back. No way. Wait till next year. We'll see what happens. That's the best way. That's the best thing for this team. It's the best thing for him. I know that he's been talking about it. Now, he has been consistent. He has had the caveat of saying, but they have to be in it. And clearly, they are not in a playoff hunt. So, I don't think we'll see him, honestly. I really don't. I think after last week, that eighth loss, we put that aside and we don't have to worry about that conversation anymore. So, for for the Jets right now, it's just a matter of, can they finish strong? Can they get a look at some of their young players? You'd like to see, uh, you know, Izzy at, at the running back spot get some more playing time. You want to see what he brings to the table. Uh, your tight end who got a couple of nice catches today, you want to see what he's able to do, the, the rookie tight end that you drafted this year. So these, these are the things you want to see over your next, uh, over the rest of the season. Right? That's the important thing right now. Okay, that's what it is. So you're at Miami next week. Okay. You're home for the Commanders on Christmas Eve. Then you have a Thursday night game against Cleveland and your old friend Joe Flacco. And Cleveland still has an outside shot of the playoff spot. I mean, they're in the hunt for a playoff spot in the AFC. And then you end with New England. So in the last four games, and listen, (laughs) you have to beat New England. Once again, this can't go on. You have to beat New England at the end of the season. I get this on the road. I understand it. I respect their defense. Their defense has been outstanding this year. Their offense, ironically, has been worse than the Jet offense. It's been very bad. But Bailey Zappi played well against Pittsburgh on Thursday. But... If you can win three out of those four or two and two or whatever, that would be a nice ending. You have, this has been a team that has lost consecutive games at the end of the season for the past couple seasons. And so for this year, having already dropped five in a row before the win today, it would be nice if you could finish on a, on a winning note. Now, yeah, it could affect your draft status. I get that. But for the players, for the coaching staff, for, as I mentioned earlier, the front office and Joe Douglas, it would be nice to see this team show that they're not giving up. It would be nice if this team would just show that they have a, 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 you know, a tough chin and they're going to ride it out. And they're going to put their best foot forward and they're going to continue to try to play well and end the season on a high note. Because they don't they don't have to most of the players on this team, what NFL team, 35, 40% turnover, if not higher, every season. So there's going to be a bunch of players that are on this team right now who will not be here next year anyway. Anyway. So they don't care about whether. You get a high draft choice while they're here. They don't care about that. They could care less. Their thought process is putting positive uh, video together so if it's not here, they can get a job somewhere else in the National Football League next season. 
That's what it's about. So for me, Lee, it's about seeing how they finish this season. Can they put some wins together? Can Zach Wilson put stack some positive performances together? Can this defense end on a high note? I mean, they've played well. They've played, they've been consistent. And I would be surprised if they were able to beat Miami on the road. But once again, if you're a Jet fan, obviously you want them to win, but you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to sit there and have a 30-3 to game where the offense just looks putrid, especially after what the offense was able to do in the second half today. And again, there is a difference in talent level between Miami and Houston. I respect Houston's defense, but it's not as good as Miami's defense. And while CJ CJ Stroud has been, you know, obviously the walkaway candidate to win the offensive AFC Offensive Player Rookie of the Year award, you know, he didn't have his people. He didn't, he, you know, he was hampered. But nevertheless, the Jet defense did what they were supposed to do. They stopped the run, or contained the run, and made him one-dimensional, and then pressured him when he tried to throw. That was the game plan. That's what they did. They did it well. So we'll see what happens when you go to Miami, a divisional game. They beat you in your building. Now you have the opportunity to split with them, which is usually kind of what happens is normally you split. Usually you win in your building and you lose in theirs. So if you can find a way to beat Miami and then, you know, Beat Washington and Cleveland and New England. We'll see what happens as far as what you learn about this football team. And does it change the decision-making to the future of whether there's going to be a head coaching change, whether there's going to be a change of coordinators, uh, offensive coordinator, whether there's going to be you know, other moves that will have to be made? Because understand this, all the focus has been on two positions, on three positions. All the focus has been on the head coach, Robert Sala. The focus has been on Nathaniel Hackett, and the focus has been on Zach Wilson. But there's other things going on here. All right, there's other pieces. There's other things that have to be considered. I'll tell you what they are, and we'll take a peek at what the Giants are thinking about as they face the Green Bay Packers tomorrow. At the bottom of the hour, we'll take you around the NFL for week number 14 on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Once again, these are the things that I'm talking about. And even in today's win for the Jets, it's the penalties again. Okay, the offsides penalties. They had eight penalties for a loss of 52 yards. And whether you think it's roughing the passer or not think it's roughing the passer, I mean, this team has had enough roughing the passer penalties. They lead the league. This team has had enough roughing the passer penalties that they need to understand what's going on and to, you know, and I get it's tough. I get it. I understand. You're not sure what he's going to run. You know, you get a, 
a quarterback like Josh Allen who loves to run or Lamar Jackson or running quarterback up that Jalen Hurts, you know, you get a situation like that and it's how do, how do I know he's going down? He could, I get it. But you have to do a better job of pushing them down or whatever you have to do so that you have to get coached up on what constitutes a roughing the passer call. I mean, the team gets them every week, sometimes more than one. See, that's a coaching thing. And that's what hurts you. And it didn't bother you today because, you know, your offense played well and your defense was outstanding again. But against better teams, it's going to come back and haunt you. And it has. Because in those same situations, the team has, you know, it's taken them out of the field goal range or it's moved them back. It's made it third and 15 or third and 20 or something of that nature, as it did in the first half on a couple of plays. And takes you out of gives you takes you out of scoring opportunities. Or it gives the team, when you had them down or ready to get the ball back, they get new life. So these are the things that have to stop. So once again, and we've talked about it, you know it. We've had these conversations before. This is what happens. So these are things going into next season or the end of this season that you have to clean up. And all this is part of your evaluation to go into next season. Whether you make that coaching change, whether you make a coordinator change, whether you make personnel changes, and what personnel you change. This is what you have to do. So these are the things when the caller asked, what do I think about this Jet team? This is what I think about it. They got a lot to clean up. And they got some personnel issues they have to correct. So there's a lot to do with this Jet team. Lots. Lots. Because next year, I mean, you're you're going to try to go for it again. You're all in. You have a 40-year-old quarterback. You need to upgrade your backup position. You have to make a decision on what you're doing with Zach Wilson, whether you're going to make let him hang around as the third-string quarterback because he's under contract without extending him the fifth-year option. You know, these are, these are the things that you'll find out over the next month. Meanwhile, tomorrow night at MetLife Stadium, it will be the New York Football Giants. And they will face the Green Bay Packers, a Green Bay Packer team that's playing very well right now. A Green Bay Packer team that has put some wins together. Right? It's a Green Bay Packer team that's won three in a row. They find themselves at six and six. And they're just, you know, with a win tomorrow night, they'll be tied with Minnesota. Trying to see if they can get a playoff spot because Detroit lost again. And Detroit's got two games against Minnesota before the end of the year. As a matter of fact, Detroit's got Denver, Minnesota, at Minnesota, at Dallas, and home for Minnesota. They've got a tough one. So if you're Green Bay, you're trying to hang in there because you're looking at Detroit's schedule and they the way they're playing, they're kind of up and down right now. So this is a big game for you. 
as far as the Giants are concerned, listen, they're four and eight, but they're and they've won two in a row. And they've got, you know, Tommy DeVito, and they're ready to try to continue on. Once again, they've got eight losses. Now, if they were in the NFC South, they'd be what, a game out? <laughs> Because they got a three-way tie in the NFC South with Tampa, Atlanta, and New Orleans, all six and seven. And then my poor siblings in Carolina dealing with the Panthers are one and 12. So this is a big game tomorrow night. And you've seen it. Okay, you if you're Green Bay, you saw what happened. This Houston team today needed this win against the Jets. Because they're trying to, you know, full shock some people and get to the postseason. I mean, with a win today, they would be tied with the Jaguars atop the division. So, you know, it was perfect for them. Jaguars lost and the Colts lost. So they would have been, with a win today, they would have been tied with Jacksonville atop the division. Same thing with Pittsburgh on Thursday. They had playoff hopes. They lose to a two-win New England team. These are games you can, late in the season, December games, you can't sleep past these teams with bad records who, not to say they have nothing to play for, because the Giants will tell you, I heard, you heard Saquon Barkley this week, they, still, they believe they still have a chance in the NFC to try to get into the playoffs by winning out. So this is going to be an interesting game tomorrow night. Very interesting contest. We'll see how Green Bay comes in. We'll see what the Giants are able to do after a bye week. Darius Slayton, wide receiver for the Giants. So what's left to play for this season? Same thing, you know, we was playing for the beginning of the year and we was, you know, zero and zero. Uh, everything that we want to accomplish is still out there possible for us. And we just have to do a good job of taking it one week at a time, one game at a time, one opponent at a time. And if we're able to keep stacking wins, you know, we had two wins before the bye, if we're able to keep stacking wins, then we'll end up where we want to be. Andrew Thomas, do you agree with Darius Slayton? What do you think is left to play for? Football starts after Thanksgiving. We've got a lot of NFC opponents. You never know what can happen. And then outside of the playoffs, just I said this early in another interview, we get an opportunity to play football. Like this this has been our dream for a long time. So anytime you step on the field, you want to, you know, put your best foot forward. So the Giants are ready. They have the right mindset. <clears throat> Excuse me. They have the right mindset. And so their thought process is, let's try to finish strong. Their issue is this. And once again, the Eagles are right now not playing great. All right? They're down big against Dallas tonight. They were wiped out against Frisco last week. They did have, and really, they should have lost. <laughs> uh, they should have lost a couple of weeks ago to the Bills. But they didn't. They were able to squeak one out in overtime. The next game's for the Giants. Okay? Packers tomorrow. At New Orleans for the Saints, that's a winnable game. At Philadelphia on Christmas Day, home for the Rams, who are fighting for a playoff spot themselves, and then home for the Eagles to end the season. Now, it's possible in the second Eagles game that they may not need that game and they may rest a bunch of folks. So that may help the Giants 
in a, in that game, make it a little you know more com, more more competitive. And the reason why I say competitive, and I know the Giant fans are like, Larry, what are you talking about? Don't don't insult my Giants. I mean, let's face it, you, you you've been non-competitive against Philadelphia and Dallas in the division. You have. I mean, even last year when the season, you know, when Philadelphia didn't have anything to play for, it, it was, you know. It's been hard for the Giants to beat Philly. Part of it is talent. I mean, part of it is there's a talent difference. Part of it is just, you know, these guys just don't match up. Really don't match up. So it's hard for me to see that the Giants will win out and try to end up at 9-8. and eight. It's going to be tough. The two Philly games, Packers tomorrow night, and they need this game. It's going to be interesting. It will be interesting. When we return, we'll take you around the National Football League. It was an interesting one for Week 14. We'll do that next. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Every- You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Time to go around the National Football League for week number 14. Dallas makes a statement as they win tonight, 33-13 over the Philadelphia Eagles. So, interesting in the battle for the top spot in the NFC East. I'll tell you this, Dak Prescott and that... uh, Dallas Cowboys offense looking pretty good right now. Looking pretty good. They're able to stack some points up there, put some points on the board. And if you're Philadelphia, defensively, you got some concerns. Okay, you really do. You really, really do. Dak Prescott, 271 yards and two touchdowns. Tony Pollard, 16 carries for 59 yards. A.J. Brown, nine receptions for 94 yards. And Jalen Hurts tried to work his magic. You know, 18 to 27, 197 yards, no touchdowns. He was sacked once, ran five times for 30 yards. DeAndre Swift, 11 carries for 39 yards. As I mentioned, Tony Pollard, 16 carries, 59 yards. Uh, Dak Prescott, a couple of touchdowns, 24 of 39 C.D. Lamb with the touchdown and Michael Gallup with the other touchdown. So the Philadelphia Eagles now 10-3, tied with the Dallas Cowboys atop the NFC East. You'll hear a very happy Raymond Santiago as part of the morning show DNR tomorrow morning beginning at 6 a.m. Elsewhere in the National Football League, we've talked a lot about the Jet win over Houston, 30-6, over 300 yards passing for one Zach Wilson. Elsewhere, Baker Mayfield knew the Falcons would be devoting plenty of attention to wideout Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, so with the chance to pull out a victory the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely had to have, Mayfield need to look them off and find somebody else. He found Kate Otten, holding an 11-yard touchdown pass with 31 ticks remaining, capping a wild fourth quarter, pushing the Buccaneers into a tie for first place in the NFC South with a 29-25 victory over the Falcons, who got one last shot from the Tampa Bay 31, 
But Drake London was smothered three yards shy of the end zone after hauling in Ritter's pass down the middle. Justin Fields threw for a touchdown, ran for another, and Chicago played this most impressive game of the season. They beat the NFC North leading Detroit Lions 28-13. Receiver DJ Moore had his first career rushing touchdown and also caught a scoring pass. Safety Jaquan Brisker made 17 tackles to help Chicago now 5-8, post back-to-back victories for the first time since 2021. Bears, by the way, have won three or four. Detroit's Jared Goff threw two picks, sacked four times. Lions now 9-4, looked like a Super Bowl threat not long ago, have lost two of their last three. Well, Jake Browning made his third NFL start, and he was outstanding again. Threw two touchdown passes, rushed for another. Cincinnati beat the Indianapolis Colts 34-14. Gardner Minshew threw for 240 yards and a touchdown and an interception for the Colts. They're often stalled after halftime. Game was tied at 14 at the break, but in these first four second-half possessions, ended with two, put, two punts, a pick thrown by Minshew, and a failed fourth-down attempt. Since he scored in their first two drives of the second half, an 11-yard touchdown grab by Tanner Hudson and a one-yard keeper from Jake Browning. The former Jet and Raven, Joe Flacco passed for 311 yards and three touchdowns, two to tight end David Njoku. In his home debut for Cleveland, Brown survived a late rally by Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars for a 31-27 win. Flacco has thrown for, get this, 565 yards and five touchdowns in two starts. He didn't do that with the Jets last year. Although Browns coach Kevin Stefanski never announced his starting quarterback for this week's game, he quickly confirmed he'll ride with Flacco the rest of the way. Jaguars suffered their second loss in six days despite having Trevor Lawrence, who wasn't on his game early, finished 28 of 50 for 257 yards. Jacksonville was banged up on both sides of the ball, lost for the first time in seven road games. They're trying to hold off Houston and Indy in the AFC South, but they both lost today. Derek Carr returned from a recent concussion and upper body injuries to throw late touchdown passes to Chris Olave and Jimmy Graham. Saints beat Carolina 28-6 to pull back into a tie atop the NFC South. In the game, get this, Carr and center Eric McElroy got into a heated exchange after a sack on third and second. Now, Carr would say afterwards, I'm not trying to be negative, when asked about the heated exchange with McCoy. There's really nothing wrong, Carr added. We had a moment. I had some of those moments in my 10 years a lot of times with the coach, with a teammate, somebody you always circle back and you make it right and keep going. Now, McCoy said he wanted to offer, quote, a public apology, end of quote, for his public disagreement with Carr and asserted he and the QB remained on good teams. Once again, quoting McCoy, my emotions were high. His emotions were high about how things have been going through the game. I lost my cool. I let my emotions get the back of me, get the best of me. Once again, winning cures everything. In his first game returning punts as a pro, Tyron Wallace ran one back 76 yards for a touchdown in overtime to lift Baltimore to a 37-31 victory over the Rams, snapping their three-game winning streak. Wallace became the fourth player in NFL history to score a touchdown on a punt return in OT. You remember Xavier Gibson of the Jets also did it this season on September 11th against Buffalo at MetLife. It was a tough weather day in the Crab City, but Lamar Jackson and Matthew Stafford threw touchdown passes apiece, three of them. Jackson passed for 316 yards, Stafford for 294. Each offense went three and out in the overtime before the final L.A. punt. Baltimore 10-3 took a half-game lead over Miami for the AFC top seed. Dolphins, as you know, host Tennessee on Monday night, while the Rams at 6-7 remain in the logjam of teams fighting for the final NFC playoff spots. 
Minnesota and Las Vegas played the lowest scoring NFL game in 16 years with Greg Joseph's 36-yard field goal with a minute 57 left giving the Vikings a 3-0 victory over Vegas. It was the first 3-0 game since Pittsburgh beat Miami on November 26, 2007, the third in the past 40 years, and the seventh in the Super Bowl era. Joseph's kick ensured the game wouldn't end regulation scoreless for the first time since the Giants played Detroit to a 0-0 tie in 1943. Vikings 7-6 had just 230 total yards. The Raiders 5-8 losers of three in a row were limited to just 201 yards and nine first downs. It was an interesting game in Frisco. Debo Samuel scored two touchdowns. George Kittle had a long touchdown catch. Christian McCaffrey ran for 145 yards to lead the Niners to their 11th straight division win, 28-16 over Seattle. Brandon Ayuk added 126 yards receiving as the quartet of playmakers for the Niners, who are now 10-3, combined for 505 yards from scrimmage on the day. That moves Frisco to the brink of winning back-to-back NFC West titles for the first time since 2011 and 2012. The Niners lead the Seahawks 6-7 and seven in the Rams by four games before the play and hold the tiebreaker over Seattle, who has now dropped four games, four straight games, for the first time in 14 seasons under Pete Carroll and has lost five in a row to the Niners for the first time. Geno Smith didn't play because of a groin injury. At the end of the game, there was a little, you know, disagreement. Seattle uh, Seahawks receiver DK Metcalf and 49ers corner Diamore de Lenoir were both ejected late in the fourth quarter for an altercation that took place following quarterback Drew Locke's interceptions for the Seahawks. He was on because of Geno Smith being out. Metcalf picked up the 49ers linebacker Fred Warner and slammed him into the turf after Warner picked off Locke. Then Warner pushed Metcalf from behind before the wide receiver grabbed Warner's face mask. Lenoir got involved in the ensuing scuffle. Warner said he told Metcalf, you know what, you tackle uh, pretty good. Oh, <laughs> uh, just a little just a little trash talking. Tackled really well before the altercation ensued. For some reason, he didn't like that. This is still quoting Warner. I guess what happened happened. Warner said following San Francisco's 28-16 win, it's unfortunate. But Metcalf's got to learn to keep his composure. This was a must win for the Bills. Josh Allen threw for 233 yards in the touchdown running and throwing. Bills kicked the go-ahead field goal with 154 to go, and thanks to a crucial penalty on Kansas City wide receiver Kadarius Toney, Buffalo held on to beat KC 2017. Game was tied 17-all when the Bills 7-6 now took control with about seven minutes left. They converted on three third downs, one courtesy of a penalty by Kansas City cornerback Jalen Watson before Tyler Bass kicked his 39-yarder for the lead. But two pass plays that Buffalo called just before the two-minute warning, both were incomplete. So they did the Chiefs a favor. They didn't have to use any timeouts, so they left time for them to go to work. Moments later, Kansas City thought they'd taken the lead. Patrick Mahomes hits Travis Kelsey over the middle. And, you know, Kelsey, who played high school quarterback, threw far across the field to Kadarius Toney, who ran the rest of the 49 yards for a touchdown. Hold up. Toney lined up offside. Penalty wiped out the play. Kansas City still had a minute 12 left to get within range of a big leg kicker, Harrison Butker, but Mahomes threw incompletions on the next two passes. His fourth and 15th throw across the middle of the field found nothing but grass. So Kansas City, again, mistakes, dropped passes. They lost the game that uh, they had leading. Should have won that one. Russell Wilson threw two touchdown passes as Denver broke. And Denver had a – 
I'm sorry. Russell Wilson had two touchdown passes. Justin Herbert broken finger in his first half. Wilson completed 21 of 33 for 224 yards, including a 46-yard touchdown to Cortland Sutton in the third quarter for Denver, which has won now six of their last seven. Broncos' first road victory against an NFC West foe since being the Chargers on October 6, 2019. Herbert has a fracture in his right index finger. Coach Brandon Staley said the Chargers would do more tests before determining how long Herbert will be out. It's a short week for the Chargers who are at Vegas on Thursday night. Remember, Herbert had a fracture on the middle finger of his left hand, left non-throwing hand earlier this season. He was 9 of 17 for 96 yards with an interception before being injured. Wrapping up the week, you remember on Thursday night, New England surprised Pittsburgh 21-18. And week 14 concludes with not one but two Monday night football games simultaneously. Packers visit MetLife to battle Big Blue, while Tennessee faces the Dolphins in Miami. That's week 14 in the National Football League. When we return, some final thoughts and your calls as well on 98.7 ESPN.